Welcome to Try Not to Blink, a podcast about the ups and downs, ins and outs, news tips and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. Don't fast forward through this because it's my favorite part of the podcast. We'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who made this podcast possible. Of course, they're makers of stellar gas permeable lenses and the oh-so-incredible custom-stable scleral lens. In case you're wondering, my name is Dr. James Diem. I'm on the East Coast, and I'm joined by my super talented co-host, repping the West Coast, Dr. Roya Habibi. What is up, Roya? August is over. Shall we mourn August, or shall we celebrate that it was a relatively smooth month out of 2020? I don't really know. I don't know what to say to that. It, you know, what's kind of sad is, uh, you know, there's a festival, you know, near us. Of course, it didn't happen this year, but it always sort of marks the end of summer. It, it happens in the beginning of August. But, you know, we never really had that ceremonial, like, summer was over. Now it's time to start thinking about back to school. And, you know, the nights are getting a little cooler. And um, it's been relatively hot. But anyway, you know, it just seems like, you know, one it's just all blended in together and and uh but yeah it's gonna be here uh, pumpkin chai tea mocha frappa pumpkin everything is is gonna be here before you know it it's here is it the here time has come. did you already have a pumpkin latte no but it is like it's essentially the first week in september and they are here is it essentially the first week in september i mean it is it's august 31st. it is because tomorrow is september one it's the okay. first week in September. That's how math works. <laughs> That's how math works. That's how <laughs> calendars That's work. That's how the All cookie right. crumbles. Yeah. That's it what just you is said. what it is. Yeah. Well, it ain't despite, right, but it right. No, it isn't. Despite the fact that we don't really like to talk about the C word anymore, you know, right. the, the, the new normal, of course, we all know that, is uh, mask wearing, right? We're all wearing masks. My daughter has a frozen mask. She loves it. She wears it around the house. She thinks it's the best thing since sliced bread. My son <laughs> has a Mickey Mouse mask. And, uh, you know, he, he wants, he's like, I want to be Mickey. I want to put the Mickey Mouse on. And so, you know, they're two and three. And uh, to them, it's just normal right now. You know, it's just totally normal. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. But anyway, there's all sorts of craziness out there with the masks. I think we're beyond the controversy of mask wearing, you know, but certainly there's science to be had. And uh, there's a good study, which we will link in the show notes. And it's not a brand new study. This study has been out for a little while now. It was published um, August 7th of uh, 2020 in a um, research article, a research uh, periodical called Science Advances. Um, and it looks at various masks and their uh, particle transmission uh, or the efficacy for filtering expelled droplets during speech. And so kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, without really being all that surprised, the best was uh, filtered N95 or a fitted N95. I'm sorry, a fitted N95. Second to that, which, you know, I was not that I was, I was actually quite surprised, but I guess thinking about it, I shouldn't be was a surgical mask. So actually that's what I wear every day. I wear a new surgical mask every day. I find that I breathe well with it. I find I don't sweat. You know, I, I just, that's what a I've been me. using is a, a, say it again. Mask me. 
Do you know what maskne is? No. Oh, maskne is an official I'm like, term. No, I, acne from your mask. Maskne. You're not getting maskne. I now get it. That's a real thing. Too. It's a real thing. Oh god, yeah. It's real rude. I literally. I'm not trying to complain, but I was not a, an adolescent with a lot of acne. But I'm starting to get acne as an adult, and I'm not cool with it. Maskne. Not acne. It's rude. And uh, equally as efficacious, according to this study, as no mask is a fleece mask. So, <laughs> you know, that is pretty much tied together with the with bandana. Bandana and no mask and fleece masks are very, very similar. So it seems like, you know, all the other ones are pretty, pretty darn close, which, which, which I think is just very interesting is that the surgical mask and the fitted N95 are, are very, very close. Um, I think that's nice because I think so, patients too get nervous if they don't see certain protections for their doctors. And I think being able to show studies mm. like this are important. Another study that came oh. out actually in June 2020 was in ophthalmology. It's The title said, Do Slit Lamp Shields and Face Masks Protect Ophthalmologists Amidst, amidst COVID-19? Um, and it's kind of interesting. What they did is they actually used a high-speed digital camera, and they showed um, mask. They showed um, shield. Uh, why can't I talk? They showed the without a breath shield, with a breath shield, or breath shield plus mask. And essentially, without a breath shield, without a mask, you saw stuff getting all over the doctor's face versus with a shield, breath shield and mask was the most protection. So I think it's definitely wise if you don't already have one to consider a breath shield plus mask or obviously a breath shield on your slit lamp. Honestly, though, side note, ignoring the whole study, I'm all about the breath shield on the slit lamp. I do not smell any burps. I do not smell any breath. I don't have to worry about coffee breath. Yes. I'm all about it. It's good. I am all it about is good. it. It totally has evolved, right? The way you do things True. in, in a, probably a good True. way. Yeah, in a good yeah way. I'm into it. Cool. Well, I don't want to talk about Corona anymore. See, we're so let's talk about out of here. Else. See ya. All right, you guys. So this is a multi-leveled conversation that I am super excited to introduce to everyone. So first of all, the topic. Let's talk about the topic for a second. Let's talk about all of us being afraid of losing our licenses. Now, I'm not talking about like legal things per se, but like practicing within your scope, doing like your one, two, three, fours, like you're supposed to outside of the exam room and in the exam room, right? How do you keep your license active? How do you stay, you know, good with your state board? And so that was kind of the inspiration for the talk. And I thought about like, who is the best person to talk to about this? And we couldn't get that person. So real quick on that point, Roya, I think yes. a lot of people, I know we're going to get to this, but a, a lot of you said something state board, right? And we recently spoke to somebody from this, uh, who's also on a board in a state, uh, yes. but was on their state association yes. board. And so I think a lot of folks are very confused and don't understand really what, you know, this board does and that board does, but you know, just everybody has every state. If you're in a state in the United States, you have a state board, yep. right? Because we are state licensed. And so each state board is a little different, you know, the way they are manned or womaned and the way they are um, picked or chosen 
and what they do. But I think the basic premise is what you're talking about. And that is to protect the public from the profession. Right. So it's a very kind of uh, interesting position to be in, but there are a lot of great doctors that serve in these roles. And uh, I think we got really one of the best to be here with us tonight. Right. So would you please introduce him? Yes. A formal introduction. This is my mentor in my at least specialty life, if you will. Um, Dr. Derek Louie. He um, graduated from SCCO or former SCCO, I guess you'd say, Marshall B. Ketchum, Ketchum now, um, only a couple years ago. <laughs> he did a residency at Oklahoma, and he is currently and has been for, I don't know, has it been like 13 years or 10 years? Okay, 10 years, fellowship director at um, Oregon Health and Science University, which is a medical school that he has actually brought optometry in to provide uh basically run the place from what i heard essentially <laughs> but it, it is his fellowship program is called uh medical contact lenses or something along those lines but essentially it's a cornea contact it. lens residency but on steroids in my opinion <laughs> better because Cross you steroids. work hand in hand <laughs> not only doing the things that we can do as an optometrist, but also you see how ophthalmology practices, especially in the cornea or the anterior segment. So super cool. He's a fellow of Academy. He's a diplomat of the American Board of Optometry and is also the president of the Oregon State Board. Uh, So welcome. Uh, Thanks. Thanks. Uh, Pleasure to be back. Yes, and a second time. Yes, and a <laughs> no uh, bias from Roya, obviously. No bias. I mean, no I just like trying to get the best people on the yeah, talk, absolutely. and I'm not biased at all. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, of course. And the introduction as well. <clears throat> so, not only are you just a total guru and rock star when it comes to specialty lenses, and I think that was a lot of our conversation right last time, talking a little bit about specialty lenses and. You know, I know you're a big fan of custom stable lenses and Valley Contacts has helped, uh, you know, many of your patients out. Uh, definitely in our and, home lab. Home lab, we, definitely. A home lab. I love it. It's home like the lab. home team. <laughs> That's right. We, uh, uh, so we love all that. But, you know, I, I think something that I, I did not know about was that you were on the state board. So, you know, I, I think of this as being like, you know, like only the jerks do that. Like you got to like <laughs> tell on people and like reprimand them. And like, you got to kind of be an a-hole to be honest. I'm just kidding with you. I'm totally joking. <laughs> this is a very necessary thing. So please, you know, I gave a little of an introduction to what I understand of it, but you're the president of the, of this, which means you've probably been on it for some period of time now. So yeah. how did you get introduced to it? When did you first learn that there was even such a thing? And then how did it come to be that you now serve on it in this capacity? Well, of course, you kind of learn about board or the state board or licensing board when, you know, third and fourth year optometry school, when you you know think about where you want to practice. So, of course, you have to get a license after you graduate optometry school once you pass NBEO. Uh, And so the state, whatever state licensing board um, that you're planning on practicing in whatever state you're in, if you're in the United States, uh, you have to apply to that state board for your license to practice. And the state board, as you said, is responsible to the public for protecting um, the public uh, from licensees, but it's also responsible to licensees 
you know, to, to help maintain their license, but also um, uh, help them uh, navigate through some tricky waters, too. So uh, currently, a lot of state boards are putting out a lot of information about, or they were, about COVID and practice modes and, you know, best practices, uh, as well as state associations. So um, we certainly communicate with state associations, but we kind of have uh, an arm's length relationship with the state associations because we are, at least in Oregon, a semi-independent board, uh, which means that we are kind of under the, uh, sort of under the behest of the governor. Um, we are in Oregon, again, um, appointed by the governor uh, or recommended to the governor and then appointed by the Senate uh, to the board. We serve, um, you can serve two consecutive terms, uh, three years each term, so six years max. So I've been in the state board for four, this is my fifth year now. So, um, and I really did got no into it because it? I was just asked. Uh, <laughs> I said, did no one else want to do it? Is that how uh, you well, got Well, I certainly involved? I was active in my state association and, um, <laughs> okay. and then people were said, you know, this would be an interesting position. There's something coming up if you're interested in it. Uh, so you have to apply, and then again, your name and your your CV goes out to the governor's office, and the governor's office then again, this is in Oregon, and then um, and then uh, recommends a, a candidate for the open position to uh, to the Senate, and the Senate um, confirms who they want to. Cool. I would just say as a, a fellow. As a swear on a Bible. <laughs> I had to swear in front of a senator, so I don't know. It might as well be a Bible. <laughs> Whatever you, uh, however you take that. Yeah, okay. Cool. I would just say that as a mentee, a past mentee of Dr. Louis, you're very much like a, this is the rules and they're meant to be followed, right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a by the follower. book. I'm a, guy, I'm, I'm a by the book kind of person. I see rules the gray. Certainly I see the gray, but... Uh, I sometimes see the hard lines between the gray and the, and the black and the white also. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. But the, no, I mean, there's, uh, you know, the, the board is made up of many people and certainly we all have opinions and uh, we're, there's four practicing optometrists, um, four practicing optometrists uh, and a public member. And then the, uh, the executive director. And we also have, an assistant attorney general, uh, a lawyer who advises us for, for all cases and all things. Hmm. So, so, I mean, you kind of sort of touched on this right now. One of the things that seems like maybe is coming up potentially, I mean, I would just assume is telemedicine right now. Is that something that's mm -hmm. being discussed a little more? What yeah. sort of like, what's the conversation like? Uh, telemedicine started, I mean, the conversations in Oregon started uh, probably more than a couple a year ago, year and a half ago. Um, and it was kind of smoldering, and this is telemedicine that covers all providers, not just optometrists. Um, but we, you know, this is one of the reasons why I also kind of was interested in, in being on the board is because you do get to influence policy. Uh, you do get to be in the room for those conversations. And so we wrote rules, the board, um, over the last year or so and refined them regarding telemedicine for optometrists. Uh, and, and so I think that was a really interesting thing. Those, those are the first telemedicine rules uh, for Oregon. And it really doesn't have to do with necessarily what specifically you can practice and can't practice. It mostly had to do with where the patient is, where the provider is, where their license is, 
because the state board and your your optometry license only goes as far as a state line. So if you are, say, doing telemedicine on, say, a brand new patient who you've never seen before or having a telemedicine kind of encounter, and that person happens to be in Washington, and I'm licensed in Oregon, but not licensed in Washington, then technically you're, you could be construed to practice, be practicing out of state without a state license. Right. Uh, so you have to be kind of careful and we had to, you know, and we don't have, uh, and again, the Oregon board doesn't have any purview in Washington. So we can't write Washington's rules and vice versa. They can't influence our rules. So there's, there's some tricky nuance to this um, whenever you're doing that. Now for an ex- established patient and maybe somebody you're advising or somebody says on vacation and they kind of call into you and you, you have a record, that's a little different scenario, but there's, there's a lot of different things to think about with telemedicine. Um, and reason uh, that actually for those who aren't aware why that is even pertinent is Portland, for instance, is literally 10 miles from Washington state. So it's very yeah. much relevant. And any people who live on state state margins, that is something to think about if you are providing telemedicine care to people you aren't, yeah. you especially you haven't seen before. Yeah. So in that case, are people getting in trouble for that? Uh, well, we haven't had any cases come up at this point. So, you know, this is, I guess, the next point for us is that, you know, we only act if there is a complaint brought to our board. We're not actively kind of digging for wrongdoings, misdeeds, you know. You're not snitches. No, 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 no. <laughs> we, we, if, a, if a patient uh, or a citizen of Oregon, you know, provides us with a a reason to look at something, then we have an obligation to look at something. Same thing with a, another provider. You certainly you could um, ha- question somebody else's clinical judgment and and bring that to the board uh, as well. So that those are the really the only times that the board gets involved in things. Um, again, we're not actively, you know, doing secret shoppers or anything like that. Or um, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to look for, you know, did you do confrontation fields properly that one day? Are you 10 degrees when you should have been 15 degrees outside their field or, or something yeah. like that, you know, or uh, did you so, measure pupils exactly right to the millimeter or something like that? Are you actually doing the swing test to the proper speed? <laughs> right. What are the most common things that come up? Um, so the biggest things I think that we get that we actually don't have any authority on is fee disputes. We certainly get a lot of consumer complaints, essentially, with fee disputes with respect to spectacles, glasses, mostly spectacles or glasses, um, and, and, you know, warranties or remakes and... um, Like, give us an example. Someone will call in and say... People are just angry and they call in... Yeah, somebody's come in and says, you know, I I saw Dr. Louie, I got a prescription in uh, January. Say this would be like a normal January, not like a COVID January. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Like, in January, I filled the prescription in June, uh, and the prescription, you know, the glasses weren't made right. So I went back to Dr. Louie. He saw me kindly seven months after the fact and checked my refraction and redid the glasses and they were still wrong. And I paid $400 
and they remade them three times and you know i just want all my money back um you know and now it's a year later um so you know those are business practices that we can't really get involved in certainly we may look over the case and look over the fact that maybe there was a significant prescription change or somebody messed up the signs, you know, something like that, or the axis was 90 degrees off or whatever, things happen. I mean, lab gets delayed, who knows, you know, uh, or the lab can't make the lens or it doesn't pass uh, standards. And so there's delays. And, you know, again, we don't have really any um, kind of authority over those kinds of things at this point, unless there's a significant optometric error, you know. Um, what are those... But, Significant, maybe not glasses so, related or contact related. What yeah. are the other things that come so, up commonly? The so the things that we see quite a bit are, are, are just like shifts in prescription or like over minusing or over plusing somebody, missing an ad, missing prism. Um, you know where where, and these are things that you know I could very well. I'm not saying that everybody's perfect or I'm perfect and everybody else is doing things wrong. I'm just saying that some things, you know, we miss something but sometimes you are. and that's okay. <laughs> well, okay. thank you. Again, no bias. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, those things happen. And that, those are the kind of the most common ones that we see. And, and a lot of times the, the provider and the private practice will take that on themselves. And, you know, I've seen cases where, you know, two years after the fact, well outside any warranties, well outside any kind of normal standard of care, like, um, you know, say Jimmy's practice would remake a pair of glasses because they want to maintain that goodwill for that patient. And yes, maybe an error was made, but, um, you know, I think that is uh, it's fair. And, uh, and usually we, we'll get a complaint, but if it's resolved and that's okay, then we can't really, we can't really do much more than that. Um, How do, like, what gets a patient, for instance, to the level what they are going to come and contact your, the board? Yeah, that depends on the patient. Why do they go there first? (laughs) I mean, it it really, and we've we've all had this, if you've been practicing more than a day, you've all had this, you know, with a patient that you just can't make happy. Yeah. Even if you're perfect in all of your optometric care, but... Sometimes it just runs into those scenarios where maybe you had a little bit of an off day uh, and you ran into that same patient, uh, you know, and maybe your optician was having an off day or somebody, a technician was having an off day at the same time and uh, it just gets set off and, um, and we can't help that. Uh, and that, that is something that, that happens. And this, well, I think this was another thing that I had kind of written down about some of these things is that. You know, a lot of times, and this was kind of to your last question that you posed to me was um, uh, in our communications was that, you know, how do you prevent future problems? And one of that is to really to try to, to be the best communicator possible to your patients, to your staff, mm-hmm. um, to try to when these things arise, which they will arise, there's no doubt about it, that you kind of, you know, are forthright and um, honest and, and, you know, doing what you feel is the best that you can do. Uh, and I think the boards, Absolutely. at least our board looks at that and said, you know, look at all these steps, look at all these things that have been, that have been tried, uh, by the, the provider. And, um, you know, what we asked the patient, what else more could, could they do other than, you know, you're out maybe $500 and, and two, three, four trips to the optometrist, but 
you know, would another provider been able to do the same thing, um, you know, or would the that same scenario sense. have come up? Hmm. Um, the other kind of going back to the most common issues about fee disputes was is patients billing um, and patients not really understanding, you know, being billed to their medical insurance versus their vision insurance. Uh, a co -pay why didn't insurance versus... companies do that to us? Why didn't we? Why can't we just be <laughs> yeah. we do, one insurance? What, yeah. Why do we have vision insurance? Gosh, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> even, but why yeah, we, do we yeah, have exactly. to be the ones that has <laughs> well, to deal with Even in universal this. care systems, there's there's a separation between that. So you know, I'm sorry for Such a pain in the butt. back in the day, our our wise forefathers decided to split eyeball from vision. Son of a gun. <laughs> and we're all paying the good price for that. So that's <laughs> another big thing that we, we see a lot is that, you know, patients get hit with a big, big fat deductible because mm -hmm. their medical insurance was billed when they came in for, say, a vision. They go, oh, I just wanted my glasses updated. Well, sir, you have glaucoma and we need to check your pressure or you have uh, an ERM, like 2040 ERM that's not allowing you to see, you know, get the best correction and or you have a CSME and that's, you know, um, that's the problem that you can't get a new pair of glasses at this point, but they did OCT and they did all what we know to, you know, the best care, um, documentation and all that stuff. But if the patient came in for a glasses exam, by golly, they want a glasses exam and they want to use that one benefit. They don't want to hit their $5,000 deductible to their yep. medical, which, which, you know, again, really clear communication in the chair from your staff, from yourself. Yep. So what's going on, why we're doing it this way versus yep. the other way. Um, what do, uh, is, so is how does it, thing. let's say Jimmy comes to see me for an eye exam. I, he's upset because I used his medical instead of his vision to give him his prescription. And he mm. also has keratoconus because <laughs> he's an eye rubber. <laughs> and so he's upset with me. He reports the case to you. You know, yeah. let's go ABC here. Now, how do I find out? Or like, do I find out? Or like, what's the process? Sure. Uh, and I'm not sure if this is exactly the same in, in other states. And certainly sure, but... uh, I'm not familiar with that. But in Oregon, um, you file a complaint to the board. Um, and you have to give enough detail. Obviously, it can't really be anonymous. It has to be something that you file a complaint to say, like, you know, I patient Roya Habibi went to see uh, Dr. Diom on X day and distance transpired. And so we would have to have to have enough information. Our executive director would go out, request records um, from Dr. Diom's practice for a specific day for a specific patient and, and just ask for a narrative with respect to, you know, how that encounter went that day. And that's all. We don't, can't really say to Dr. Diom's office why or what, the we're you know what we're doing with that information interesting um, but an investigation gonna starts um and then it is brought even if it's a fee dispute even if something is kind of out of our purview uh the executive director writes up a short case and a synopsis and then brings it to the boards we have quarterly meetings uh brings it to the board and then the optometrist and the private member look over that case and kind of make a decision as to how to proceed um, if we felt that there was optometric error or if we felt that we needed more information, you know, um, then 
then we would pursue more information from the practice. Um, if we felt that we had enough information to make a decision, um, then we could make a decision and that decision, you know, we don't really fly off the handle. It's, 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 you know, the lead for this was, you know, how do you keep your license? It's, it's not like a one-time infraction and all of a sudden uh, Jimmy loses his license, at least for yeah. what we're talking about. What happens? <laughs> I mean, to certainly them? there are kind of maybe more serious instances. What else are of, we talking about? <laughs> fine. Uh, like, I, I just, you know, you're talking about, you know, what you're saying is the most common. And uh, to yeah, be honest, absolutely. I didn't really. Like 99% of the cases I've seen in four years, uh, those are the types of scenarios that go on. Okay. Interesting. Um, I wouldn't have guessed that, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. And like I said, the vast majority of those, um, we find no optometric error or there are some errors made, maybe some, you know, not as good record keeping so that we can't really tell what happened. So that's another kind of big point for me was keep good records or is keep good records, make decent notes doesn't have to be long notes, but like make decent notes as to why you did what you did and what your thinking was in whatever case that is coming. Even if it's like a proverbial two diopter biop, why is that, you know, my, why is the vision blurry? Because this person is an uncorrected two diopter myope. We got correction and they're happy and otherwise healthy, you know, at that yeah. moment in time. That doesn't yeah. mean tomorrow they could have a retinal detachment and, you know, but sure. at that moment that you saw them, you know, their blurry vision was because of their uncorrected two diopter myopia. And that's that's all it needs. Um, it's hard to get into the head of a provider when there's really minimal assessment and plan uh, and really minimal record keeping. Yeah. Um, Are you saying uh, it's better to put minimal record keeping? <laughs> Is that what within minimal? Yeah. Just the it is totally up to your piece? state board. So you, mm, <laughs> at okay. least as the state board that I'm sitting on, we like to see what you were thinking when uh, you were thinking it. You know, mm. and so you I'm have an opportunity to explain that too in your in narrative too. But yeah, okay. I'm thinking too about. I mean, whether anyone's been in this scenario before, or you've heard of a friend, or you've heard of stories of, for instance, a provider gets. Um, a course of legal action against them. Let's say a patient sure. goes to a lawyer and decides to try and bring a case on, well, let's just say hypothetically, a mistreated corneal ulcer. Sure. Does the board get involved or is that usually only through legal or like, what does that look um, like usually? It kind of depends. I, you, I, would, we, I haven't had a case like this at this point. So I would presume that the lawyer would advise the patient to also file uh, something, a complaint uh, against the provider uh, by the state board, because I would think it would make their case stronger totally. uh, if there was some kind of finding by the state board. Um, what about, I don't, I don't know. What I, about I to, sure. I've heard stories, for instance, of people especially, I don't know why I think about Uber, not to tangent too far, but Uber and drinking and driving nowadays, like no one should sure. get in trouble for drinking and driving in my yeah. opinion anymore, because Uber is so convenient, at least in major cities. But 
I was going to say, you maybe where you're at. I don't know. I know, <laughs> I know. I know. It's so that. easy in big cities, right? Especially even right. in smaller cities, it's very don't available. Drive places to begin with. So. <laughs> right. You probably walk or maybe like take a cow or something. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but real talk, what, like as a professional, uh, as a optometrist, you get a DUI yeah. or you well, get in trouble with the law in some yeah. way. Yeah. And the board does, um, get police reports and we can see some police reports, but we also in Oregon, we have a duty to report. So if you do get arrested and do get charged with something, you have a duty to report that to the state board within a certain number of days, I believe Um, you have to tell us what happened. Uh, And then again, we start a case and then decide if, uh, if more needs to be done. Um, Certainly, you know, again, our primary mission is to kind of keep the the citizens of Oregon safe. So if you're acting in an unprofessional or an unsafe manner, then the board has a duty to kind of step in at that point. Um, Actually, one of the other questions you asked me was, you know, what what was the the best case that I've heard? Uh, And it did involve a case, and this was, before I started um, on the board, but it was kind of an ongoing thing that was being monitored. It was a case of somebody who had a, a substance abuse issue, um, mm. did get in some trouble, not because they were practicing intoxicated, uh, but like, you know, other, you know, outside of, of their practice. But the state board did get involved and did put a plan in place for that provider Um and not only I presume that they were monitored themselves, but we were monitoring the monitors um, to ensure that that person was kind of staying within their plans and within their boundaries. And, you know, I think I can't remember it was three or five years total, but they kind of came before the board uh, uh, in their kind of final um, sign off and really were, was a, according to the people who were involved. And I saw the last interview was like, you know, I was involved in the last interview and this person was a very changed person. They said, you know, this is a much different person from when this person showed up the first time or we kind of put this plan in place and, and and all for the better, like, you know, better kind of life uh, outlook, better practice outlook, better professional satisfaction, um, all from that one thing. And I would not saying that the board had any hand in that at all, but certainly that is something that is, is positive, but, you kind of have to put those things into 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 place to kind of ensure that again that citizens are are being protected. Well, I think maybe a take home from that as well is, you know, a lot of us, big or small, find ourselves making a decision maybe we don't totally, you know, yeah. wish we kind it of happens. didn't do. You it know, happens. you do something We're stupid. Human. We're human, right? Whether it be a chain of decisions or maybe one decision (laughs) that was not as good. And I think, too, by the sounds of it, it says so long as you work toward, you know, bettering yourself or improving the situation, it's not an end-all, be-all to your both your profession, your career, you know, your future outlook. It doesn't mean working or communicating with your board and being honest with yourself and making improvements. It does not mean you have to lose your job over a mistake. True. Uh, that's well, true as far as I've seen it. Uh, you know, you could certainly think of some really egregious crimes, really, that could cost you some, you know, a lot of stuff. But, uh, you know, I think th- there is a case that 
I've been kind of um, involved in that did involve uh, somebody losing their license. Um, and that was really tough because I felt that our board really gave every opportunity to the licensee to kind of show that they had um, that they wanted to maintain their license and they wanted to practice in good standing and to, to good optometric care and our standards, um, but that it just didn't really didn't follow through. And uh, in, in that case, uh, in that case, we didn't remove the license, but the licensee chose to not renew. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Now, what about, um, now you said, you know, you're, you, you do like, you know, not that you like rules, but you know, you're, you, yeah. you, you know, I understand they're, they're, why rules are important and why they're there. Sure. Sure. And so, so are there situations, like you said, like egregious crimes is what I think you said. Are there, you know, like things written in the regulations that say like, look, if this happens, then, you know, there's no wiggle room. We can't come up with a plan. Uh, we have to remove your license. Most rules that I've seen are pretty broad and they're general. You know, yeah. like unprofessional conduct is pretty right. broad, right? right? I mean, you could feel like, not you know sneezing without covering your mouth is kind of unprofessional conduct, right? right. But uh, but cover you know, your mouth, wear a mask, wearing, <laughs> posting a picture with a bikini. Just yeah, kidding. not oh, a tangent no. there, but med <laughs> I bikini. I would that. Well, if you were in the practice, <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe less than professional clothing, whatever that means, <laughs> then maybe. But I, I don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but. You know, I, I think we all know what we shouldn't be doing. I mean, right. certainly there is, you know, sexual harassment and, you know, other things like that or inappropriate um, kind of communications with patients or gotcha. contact with patients. Um, so would you, know, you say those professional most, boundaries, I think, should should be maintained. Right. Would you say that most of the complaints then are from patients? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, we, uh, I don't think maybe one or, or two. Yeah, one or two providers may have sent in some things about you know, I I got this person's records um, because the patient transferred care and honestly not really sure what happened, <laughs> like mm. what what has been happening in the last five eye exams, you know, because they're illegible or they're not, you know, there's no real rhyme or reason for you know, a full glaucoma workup or something like that, like, or, you know, I I don't know. It's tricky a bit to report a fellow colleague, Absolutely, yeah. You don't want to, you always want to see the best in your fellow colleague's intentions, but also there is a level of service. I mean, sometimes it's true. Like uh, when patients say, well, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I find out about this sooner? Why didn't I start this treatment sooner? Uh, you know, like most of the time the doctor is doing their best, but yeah. also like, what about the ones that aren't? Yeah. It's, it's really hard to be, put yourself in the other doctor's shoes because again, we're not in the room. We don't know what went down. We don't know what was asked of the provider at the time. We can only go off what is written, which is also, you know, it gets back to my previous point. It's like, we kind of want to hear and see 
it's to, to your benefit to like put your thoughts on that page during that time. Because, you know, if we get records from five years back, I certainly don't remember what I said or did or what my right. thinking was. Um, you know, oh, I just saw Jim Smith and this made up patient, but like, you know, I, I did this, but five years ago, I don't remember what, why I, I didn't check their IOP or something like that. Uh, or, you know, so totally. I think it's especially young providers. Um, you know, you may have been harped on this for, for in practice or in school, but like, it is, I think, important to really get a, get a good, good practice in, in, uh, in, in sure. getting a really nice assessment and plan yeah. that you're describing and you're linking, you know, why the chief complaint, you know, it is, um, and what your assessment is with regard to that chief complaint. Absolutely. So look, I, I think this stuff is, is it is, it's interesting and it's spooky. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it sort of instills fear in us all. <laughs> Try not to. And, uh, Try to be nice about it. Yeah, but it's, it's how it's, I think it's natural. If I got it's a letter from feel. my state board, it's like a gut punch for the rest of the week. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I guess that's the, that's the next thing that I think was the most common issues was when our state board goes to audit your CE records or your, oh, yeah. okay. your, your, or you go to update your license, you know, I, some states do it biannually. Some, our state does it annually and oh, wow. you haven't kept the best of your own records and you don't know what CE you have or don't have, and you don't know if they're COPE approved or not approved. Uh, or, like, I don't you know, know. I went to a bunch of things. You're just like, I just submitted a bunch of stuff because I went to thing on Saturday and, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I got two hours. I think I needed four, but, you know, three and a half maybe will do. But, you know, I, so you really, I think as a professional, all of us have a responsibility to be somewhat organized for our own self. So that when you are submitting things like this and when you're asked Can you say this to, louder? I can't audit. hear and I need this. <laughs> I need this seriously like ingrained in my yes. brain. Yeah. yeah. It's a top it is. It's I mean, like I, I just deliberately disobey myself. I just don't do it sometimes. And then I'm scrambling every time. Yeah. Why don't I do it? Why do you put that stress on yourself, man? Don't, don't do know. that. It's a thrill of it. I feel like that might have been somebody who didn't teach you very well. Like and walking to terrible. the airport late—it's just a thrill. I don't know why. It's just—I wanted it's to a push thrill it. that could cost you a couple of dollars at the very least. Yeah, like what happens? Well, what if? What if? I think about that sometimes. Like I know. Yeah. I submit well, so, thirty-five hours instead of the forty or whatever mine right? is supposed to be. I mean, now what? It, theoretically, yeah. you could you have your license suspended. Come at me, bro. Yeah. And if you have your license suspended and you see patients, then you're practicing illegally and then yeah, you're really yeah. in trouble. Now we're talking uh, about you're yeah. practicing without a license and then you're really in trouble. So you got to get those licenses, those pieces of paper back into submitted um, and that license up to date before you, you keep going. So, and right uh, now it, there should be no excuse, right? Because most States, and I don't know if it's true for Oregon or Washington, but at least in yeah. Pennsylvania, there was a action by the governor that stated that all licensees can, you know, that were, that are required continuing education may access them via, you know, virtual, you know, yeah. so that was extended. Oregon is the only state in the nation that has a hundred percent of our hours can be online. Anyway. And this was true for the last uh, many years. 
So there's like no excuse. Like you can, <laughs> right? I mean, you could literally I mean, sit down for. They have to be approved hours, uh, COPE approved technically hours, or yeah, or approved by the Oregon Board uh, hours. But uh, you know, you can't just it? watch YouTube for an hour and claim credit. But uh, you could do it literally a week. I'm not saying that you're not going to learn anything. I'm right. just saying that it's not necessarily approved. Right. <laughs> so. How yeah. many hours I mean, do you need in Oregon? Uh, I believe it's 18 per year, okay. um, but I think eight have to be TMOD. You have to have a law or an ethics hour every few years. Um, we just, uh, the state uh, the state of Oregon instituted a pain management hour mm-hmm. um, right. and also a, a cultural competency hour. Work it out, okay. So, um, That's good. And unfortunately. Practice management doesn't count for us, unfortunately. Same with us. Doesn't count. Um, public health doesn't currently, but uh, that might change. And so we're always in the process <laughs> yeah. of reviewing some of these rules. And you know, again, that's what your state board does. We don't. We're not stuck in. Hopefully, you know, in a single place. We're trying to modernize and. You have a child abuse relevant. hour. Uh, not that we I need, know of. We need a, not, not a specific child abuse, like addressing that kind of. That was new for Pennsylvania a couple of years back. Yeah. So we need to get that every uh, cycle. And then the yeah. um, pain management slash uh, abuse, alcohol or uh, drug substance, substance abuse. alcohol abuse kind right. of conversation. Yeah. Um, is another new one. So all these cool. things I think are coming down for everybody. Uh, you know, I think most of our, it's going to be interesting to see how the in-person and live education kind of, uh, you know, Academy, AOA, how they respond um, next year and yeah. see how we're going to do. As a lecturer and, uh, you know, somebody who, you know, is involved in, you know, research and, and things like that and doing, you know, posters and, uh, you know, educating and going to the meetings. How do you feel? I mean, are, do you feel like things are going to, I, I imagine you've engaged in hours of, of online meetings and uh, yeah. you know different different things like we're doing now but how, how do you feel about it do you yeah. feel like well gee you know you could do this virtually and it still works and it's good but you know i I'd, I'd rather go back to how it was or do you think you'll see you know some sort of hybrid kind of moving forward now that we've all sort of popped the cherry on it and we're like all right. in you know yeah i think uh you know it's hard to say this year specifically um, because uh, I don't think a lot of things are happening this year. So yeah. I, I, I think well, AOA was also all virtual. Right. I presume, and I, this is just me speaking, I don't have any inside information at all. I presume that Academy will also be mostly virtual. This is coming up in uh, about uh, two months or so. Right. Um, and those are, I think, the biggest two meetings. Academy of Ophthalmology, which is two week, uh, a month after uh Academy of Optometry has already announced that they're all virtual. Yeah. Um, so, but having said that, I really like going to meetings. I'm kind yeah. of, you know, a little I bit know, of a meeting nerd. Sad. I totally like that in-person education. I don't mind sitting in a lecture hall. I actually, I do am nerding out and I get, you know, 25 to 30 hours at Academy of Continuing Education along with all the other meetings that uh, I attend to and posters and things like that. Um, so, I, do I think like too at Academy, what yeah. is the chances I'm yeah. going to, like, on a normal day, go talk to or go listen to a neuro lecture? 
um, about yeah. a zero out of 10 versus if I'm at Academy <laughs> and it's in the room that I'm sitting in, I will definitely yeah. sit through that. Or really digging into like basic, basic science of like True. tear film or kind of retinal ganglion cells and just like or, uh, <laughs> uh, ocular melanoma. Yes. We've never lost more sleep than usually after a meeting like that where I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, that speck on that person's cheek yeah. is definitely a basal cell. I'm going to get uh, sued. I get yeah, reported I, to the board. Yeah, the board. <laughs> yeah. Document. Document. <laughs> Looped back in. Flat, even borders. <laughs> I wrote. Yeah. So listen, okay. we, we had you but on the, like the podcast once before and we did a little bit of a round robin on, on you. I want to just... We, I want to do some little round robin on you real quick, if you don't mind. Okay, so um, you got some pictures. pictures in the background. Would you mind describing <laughs> some of them to me? <laughs> oh, the background of my office. Yeah. Uh, what do you got so the background of my office, there's four pictures there that are hot rod pictures that are uh, <laughs> 32 deuce hot rods. And uh, there's a big meeting in Victoria, British Columbia, big uh, rally. Uh, I know that's almost a four-letter word now, but uh, (laughs) uh, it's a car rally uh, every three years. And my uncle was really heavily involved in this car rally. And there's uh, between six and 800, maybe even 1,000 the last time it was held, 32 deuce, which are Ford 32 uh, hot rods uh, that shut down the entire downtown of Victoria. So if you look uh, at the Empress Hotel, downtown Victoria, the Inner Harbor, you can all Google that. Uh, cool. They shut down all the streets for a day, and uh, they're just hot rods that are there. And uh, those are the posters from that. There's also a Star Wars inspired Snellen chart. Nice, uh, I like that. I was reading it. Yeah, I got to May the Force. Uh, so, <laughs> may, the, may the Force uh, be with you. <laughs> Very good. Do you uh, have a 32 deuce? Uh, no, I don't have the salary to uh, have a 32 Dream deuce car. or the garage space, by the way. Uh, <laughs> So they're maybe they're someday nice. would that be something? Maybe you would someday do? that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, okay. One of my, cool. you know, I need a th- the three or four car garage at least. Uh, Future dream. So a few I more years. I think I think that's realistic. What was your years. dream job as a kid when you were twelve? What did you want to hmm. do when you got older? Uh, you know, I actually worked in a pharmacist for a pharmacy for a while, so I thought it'd be kind of cool to be a pharmacist or a pharmacist manager. I was stocking shelves when I was, you know. Uh, 12, 13. Uh, so I thought like the big dog was the pharmacist behind the counter. And that was back then, that was the white coat, you know, that was still the white coat, all the pills and all that stuff. Uh, so I don't know, I, but I didn't really know what a pharmacist did. So <laughs> other than stand up there and look important. What's your yeah. favorite the store? What's your favorite reality TV show? Uh, I mean, they're kind of not a thing much anyway. They've kind of like gone through. Life no, below zero. Things. Life Below Life Zero. Life Below Zero? What is that? I don't even know what that is. It's called yeah. Geo. It's about people who live above the Arctic Circle oh, in a subsistence I've life. I've, uh, there's 14 seasons. I've seen them all. Stop. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was expecting you to be a 600-pound life kind of guy, but oh, I'm into God. that. <laughs> I can't kidding. handle that kind of drama. I can, <laughs> I can handle life or death Disgust. kind of drama. Like, I'm not going to eat if I don't poke my, you know get through the ice here and get some fish out of this thing but uh, trap some beaver but uh you know <laughs> not the de- not the overweight smelly people no well, sorry i got a couple um i got a couple more uh give me a family a family tradition of yours that's extremely weird extremely weird oh, yeah I, I don't know 
No, you know no, weird family uh, traditions? No. That's a weird one. I don't know. A about holiday, that one. Yeah. weird things, some weird food or something Eating different. Food. A lot no. of people don't. I'll give you I'll give you yeah. I'll answer that for him. We Not had a the weird turkeys, family we tradition. had the cream corn. I mean people think cream corn no, is no. gross, but I think cream corn's really good. See there no, you go. I'll, I will on. say one. Take I will it. say one. So his weird tradition is that he only likes to eat hot lunches. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, no that's not a family things. tradition, but it's my no, tradition. No, I said Where that's does that not. come from? That's <laughs> something that's bred in you. I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. open-faced turkey sandwich? No. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could put it on a like a grill, make it a panini, and that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Squish it between two hot plates, and I, I'm all about it. But uh, <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> like a salad and a banana is not, not for me for lunch. I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know why. My office mate will complain about the uh, leftover salmon and rice that I'm going to have tomorrow for lunch. (laughs) This is, this is, this is a tough one. This is kind of like your spirit animal questions. We've already done that. So if the title of your autobiography, this is the title of, you're going to have an autobiography. um, And the title is going to be the name of your favorite guilty pleasure. What would it be? Gummy bears. Gummy bears, I like it. See, this is like all about the gummy like bears, and animal, specifically Haribo gummy bears, not oh, any other. Yeah. Like you can't you go to like the black forest. Horrible! This is horrible. <laughs> like, why did they name that? I, I like it. I'm not gonna say I don't eat them. I like all uh, gummies, shape no, or size. Uh-uh. But yeah. horrible! I just don't get the name. Really? I think I mean, it's I like them. Dutch or like, yeah, it's like another Swedish or something like it's that. It also rhymes with horrible and it just it. doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay, let's just take a quick minute now that we all know you better again. Much better. Give us a little update on your fellowship program. Anything new, exciting, sure. cool that our listeners should hear about? I mean, it's cool that we're in the 10th year. I mean, I didn't think this would have happened that long. Congrats, uh, congrats. You know, there was uh, so at, uh, at I work in the Department of Ophthalmology. Um, there was five, four, five, op- four optometrists at the time when I started, um, and I was seeing patients for a couple of years, and I just realized that there's some really cool, very interesting cases and patients here, and I would really and I, like to share that. Uh, and I think at that point is when I kind of approached our chair about um, having students potentially, and then... He wasn't like super enthused about students, uh, mostly because we didn't have the space and also because they kind of slow you down a little bit. Um, but so he suggested, you know, we develop a fellowship program, um, which, again, is kind of like a residency, uh, what we know as an optometric residency. But in the medical school, just because of the kind of hierarchy and kind of um, how most people understand what a resident in medicine does and how they practice. Um, we decided that it would be better off to call it a fellowship. You know, whereas a, a medicine resident um, cannot practice independently, cannot kind of must always have somebody attending them and kind of checking off on their um, on their exams. A fellow, uh, kind of like a retina fellow or a cornea fellow or a glaucoma fellow, certainly wants more specific information, but um, can practice independently at that point if they needed to or wanted to. So we called ours, a, you know, our program a, 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 an optometric fellowship in contact lenses, a medical contact lens fellowship. Um, so I think it's, like, you know, pretty cool that we're on year 10. 
Um, all of the fellows have been wildly successful beyond, you know, what my imagination could be. All maybe except for one ish. Uh, <laughs> Still striving. Uh, yeah. Podcast. Uh, yeah. No, I, it's been amazing, and I, you know, I, I'm super proud of all of them. They all have their, you know, people always ask me like, well, "Who's your favorite?" I'm like, "They're all my children, right. and they're all right. great, and they all have their own. <laughs> yeah, they all have their own personalities, strengths, and weaknesses. Exactly." <laughs> I don't have any kids myself, so uh, so I think that's Not super cool. Time. And um, you know, KCI Institute is opening a brand new building at the end of this year. Oh, cool. uh, it's funded. It's called the Elks Children's Eye Clinic. So um, the pediatric service is moving. The glaucoma service is moving. Um, there's going to be a lot of change in our services in there. We're also adding a lot of new providers too, and, and, and we're also adding another optometrist, staff optometrist, or faculty optometrist. So we're hoping to add actually more optometric learners in the future as well to um, super cool to uh, hopefully in the next few years. I think that would be a, a good goal and something that would be really exciting because again, you know, some of these cases, you know, where they get stuck in tertiary care centers, they don't really ever come out to the community. Um, you know, these multi subspecialty uh, patients who need, you know glaucoma specialist and a retina specialist and a cornea specialist and a contact lens specialist. Um, there's a lot of those cases that don't really make it out into the wild, as they say, and uh, yep. they're kind of just in our care. And uh, it's really important, I think, for us to learn about these kinds of cases and then be really able to manage them totally to the best of our ability and to the, the height of our license. Well, speaking so. of specialty contact lenses and speaking of home clinics. I know we've sort of, or home labs, we, we talked about that earlier. We've been actually sharing stories from, as everyone knows, the listeners, Valley Contacts is one of our uh, main supporters, and they have an awesome program called the Vision Project, which for those who don't know, it's actually a program that they provide where they um, essentially donate up to 85% off their contacts lenses or their scleral lenses, specifically the custom stable lens for patients who could not otherwise afford it. And so knowing that they're one of your local labs that you work with a lot, could you maybe share a story, you know, something quick, that uh, a case of a patient that you worked sure. with that maybe you got this lens for? Yeah, we've uh, had a few. Certainly, um, we appreciate Valley Contact's you know, generosity in starting this program. They kind of reached out to us early on and said, you know, look, we're starting this program. Do you have cases that could benefit from this? And uh, we said, absolutely, you know, trying not to um, be overly uh, appreciative of their generosity. Uh, certainly we have cases, and uh, the one off the top of my head is an older gentleman who um, had bilateral transplants. His, he had insurance, but his insurance did not cover medically necessary lenses. Um, and he, you know, we got him fit with the custom stable he was wearing corneal GPs, but because of the shape of his, his corneas, that uh, wasn't really something that was sustainable. Um, so we got him fit into a scleral lens, and, uh, you know, he's down to about 2030, 2025, and, you know, really happy and functional, you know, from 2200, 2300, you know, in spectacles or with no correction at all, because he actually just decided to go uncorrected with not much help with glasses. Um and we have several of those cases. I think we actually have a, a GVHD case, um, a patient who, you know, again, has coverage for medical 
office visits, which is not uncommon. Right. But the frustrating part for us is that, you know, our staff is pretty good at digging um, into their insurance and using the keywords and the codes and writing and getting letters of medical necessity. But, you know, even with that, this patient couldn't get coverage. And you can imagine as somebody with GVHD, you know, extreme ocular surface disease, dryness, you know, using artificial tears every 20 to 30 minutes on waking hours. I mean, that just ruins, you know, the, you know, ruins your whole life, really. You're not really functioning that way. And uh, to get somebody some lenses and to be able to get them functioning and, you know, maybe drops every four times a day instead of Q15 or Q1H, uh, it's a huge difference. And uh, totally. we're super appreciative of that. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a really good um really good program for our patients. Absolutely. Yeah. If anybody has a patient that you think would be a good candidate for it, it's a really easy application process. You, I have the link in our show notes if you want to check it out, but um, very easy for you to do for your patients. Yeah. It does require, like I said, the patient to have a little bit of a story to make sure that, you know, the Valley is kind of getting a little bit of credit and can use some of that information for their records. Um, But yeah, I it's think it's hard. it's a great program. It's not no, it's not hard. We ask for you know the patient to write a, a paragraph or a few sentences about you know what these could mean, why they should be considered for this program, um, and then we. Yeah, that's a good idea. Getting them that on. make them write it for yeah. you. I like yeah. that. I wish I did yeah. that too. I mean, I, I mean, we understand how it, but it should be from yeah. the patient's perspective. You know, yeah, I think I think that's more valuable. I like that. Well, thank you so much for coming and joining us for the second time now. For anyone who's interested, whether it be in the residency or the fellowship, I should say, uh, questions about state board stuff, what's the best way they can reach out to you? Uh, My email is actually online. So if you look at OHSU's website and their learning uh, programs and KCI Institute, C-A-S-E-Y. Not KC letters. Not not KC letters. I will link it in our show uh, we, uh, we have a program, uh, description there for the fellowship and my email is there as well. You're welcome to email me. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. Um, and the state board, certainly if you email the state board, they can get a thing to me, but uh, it might be kind of strange if you're just asking me a question about Carrie Deconis. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again. Uh, of course. I really Thank appreciate you your time uh, and your wisdom. It's an honor, a privilege. Very proud of you. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> We're proud of you. (laughs) Well, that's it. Before we go, reach out to us for feedback, questions, stories, things you want us to talk about, either through Instagram, Facebook, or email us. We never depart without saying thanks to Valley Contacts for their support, both for the amazing lenses they make and the great people they are to work with. And be sure and tune in and listen to our next episodes. But until then, try not to blink.